if you're a cheer parent or a former cheerleader, this is for you. Um, this is probably more specific to you, but the information that we have can will tie carry over and that we'll talk about will also carry over into how you influence your kids. So this is the Cheer PT podcast where we dive into the thrills, the skills, and the spills, and all things that contribute to a lifelong love of cheerleading wellness. Whether you're a current cheerleader, coach, parent, or former cheerleader, we have conversations you'll want to hear. Brought to you by Move Better Physical Therapy and Fitness and hosted by Laura Turner. Are you ready? Let's go! Welcome back to the Move Better with a Cheer PT podcast. Today I have with me Corey Young. Uh, this is our third conversation in, it's actually, I think we're beating the year mark because I think it was the end of January that we talked for the first time last year. So just about a year. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we've enjoyed talking with each other so much. We like to talk about talk about sensory involvement and how we can influence how there's a lot of influences to our general movement um, outside of just moving. Today, we're going to focus our conversation on um, the maybe 35 to, I'm going to say 35 to 50 year old range, because that's more my range, but uh, 35, 40 year old range ish. And um, if you're a cheer parent or a former cheerleader, this is for you. Um, this is probably more specific to you, but the information that we have can, will tie carry over and that we'll talk about will also carry over into how you influence your kids. So everything we learn, we teach to our children as well. And, um, so thank you for joining me again today, Corey. Um, and tell me what's new in your, um, world as far as movement goes, uh, before we jump into talking about client stuff. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Laura. It's always great to get together with you. Uh, so, so what's new? Yeah. Um, I'm just really looking more into the whole system you know, the, of, of the human being, uh, it's, we could, some people refer to it as the human locomotor system. So I'm, I'm really looking at not just the uh, static posture that a lot of people think of when they think of posture. And I, I think maybe in previous episodes, we talked about resting postures. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, uh, that of sitting and being in full flexion of the lower body limbs in particular, but also the shapes of human movement, right? The, the, the legacy, the, the movement legacy of our species being upright walking beings. And so uh, the, the various forms of upright gait, uh, walking, jogging, running, sprinting, hopping, skipping, you know, all those things. And so what you see is that counter rotation is occurring, right? Yeah. We, most of us walk in a straight line if we're yeah. going down the street, right? <laughs> and so, you know, the, the lower half of us is rotating, let's just say to the left and the upper half of us is rotating uh, more to the right. And so that counter rotation kind of cancels each other out and equates into a, a straight line, you know? Uh, we're the only species that does that, you know, the other ones that do uh, walk upright temporarily, uh, they do a little bit more side to side and not so much rotation, you know, imagine a penguin for instance. And so human specific, you know, and how, how have humans moved upon the earth for about 99% of human history? 
Cool. It's fascinating That's to like, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, yeah, and probably taking that from where, how we evolved in evolution and all that's pretty, um, imagine that's pretty interesting to learn about as well. Uh, we talk about rotation, like when you, when you watch somebody walk, there's not a ton of thoracic rotation, like, or, or upper body rotation, but we need that rotation to, to, like you just said, like it's counter rotation that you, that our body is rotating as we move, but it's not visible necessarily because both sides are kind of working against each other, not working against working with each other. Um, in that slings. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So these, these slings, they work together and it's almost the result is similar to that of a self winding watch. This perpetual energy, uh, it feeds back into the system, right? So it's very efficient. I mean, when, when things are working well, oh, right? Right, right. When they're working well. Yeah. So, so let's, let's talk about uh, when things aren't working well. When people, uh, well, they come to see us or they're, they're trying to move differently and better. Like, how do you dive into, um, you know, somebody, do people come to you with complaints of, you know, I'm not moving well, and then they want, you know, you want to move better or you're, as you're getting stronger, like, how do you, what's your evaluation process? You're like, check you out and see where we need to go. Like discovery process. Well, the, the general, general, yeah. Health, uh, history questionnaire. Yeah. You know, so I, I look for if they have a yes or a number of yeses. Uh, and so, you know, I, I would ask them about that for sure. Uh, but then I, I also want to just see like, ha, beside, besides your, your, your history, like how is your current functional state, for instance? So um, what's the old saying? That the, often the pain site isn't the pain source. And the body is very wise. And so, for instance, if I have a headache, that's not my body telling me, hey, Corey, you have an aspirin deficiency. It's telling me, it's like, right? Hopefully your body is not telling you that. But yeah. it's, te- it's telling you in most, in most cases that, hey, perhaps you're uh, overstressed. You're underrested. Uh, maybe you ate something that you're intolerant to, you know, sensitive to, uh, maybe the atmosphere, you know, the, the area, the air in which you're breathing. Uh, like I, I remember uh, one of our last times, maybe we spoke maybe uh, late fall or so. And so that's kind of fire season where I am. And so uh, if there's a lot of, you know, wood smoke in the area, I'm going to get a headache for instance, because uh, there's a lot of stuff in the air perhaps, you know, pollutants, toxins, whatnot. And so your, your body is like, Hey, I, I don't like that. For instance, you know, so our, our body gives us these signals. It's kind of like a canary in the coal mine because it's looking out for our best interest. Right. And so if I have a complaint of pain, uh, for, for instance, uh, you know, we talked about these, uh, these slings and these, you know, counter uh, aspects of the body uh, was it contralateral, right. Uh, midline or crossing the midline sort of thing. And so you're, you're probably familiar that uh, there's aspects 
yeah, neurologically speaking, and, and once again, it's all one body. So my right elbow, neurologically speaking, is related to my left knee, right? Yep. You're, you're aware of this. Yep. So for, yeah. so to, uh, for general pe people that are not in, uh, familiar with the term slings, we, there are fascial slings, there are dynamic body slings that go from head to toe, from left to right, in and around the body. They encompass our organs. They connect us um, in different patterns, different movement patterns or different patterns throughout the body that will affect, you know, if you have an injury in one area, you have something going on, it doesn't have to be an injury, but something's going on in one area, it's going to affect that pull through that sling through the rest of the body and can affect, um, how we move in general. Right. Yeah. And, and so as someone's coming in and say, Hey, you know, this, this region is, musculoskeletal region is talking to me. Maybe it's screaming, right? There's a saying, I, I believe, within the uh, traditional Chinese medicine community that if you don't listen to your body's whispers, eventually you'll hear it screams. Mm, that's... So pay attention to the right. body. Right. So if they have something going on, so a lot of times I'll be like, okay, but then I, I, well, I also want us to continue the conversation and kind of go throughout the body and perhaps, you know, also within the body to see how everything else is too. So how's your sleep? How's your stress? How's your digestion? You know, and digestion is everything from mouth all the way down to exit. So you know, are you experiencing anything 30 minutes, two hours or so after eating something? And how is everything when everything exits? And then is everything moving at least once within a 24-hour period? I, I did have a woman, since we're on this uh, topic right now, I did have a woman years ago who told me that she would make a bowel movement basically once every two to three weeks. Wow. And she was on 17 pharmaceutical prescriptions at the time. And she was in pretty much chronic pain. Um, her eyes was constantly flicker, uh, just high stress. And just about any position we would get her in, she was uncomfortable. And so, you know, given that scenario, if I'm just focusing on a musculoskeletal system, I'm going to hell have a hell of a time. I'm, I'm going up literally against the tide. Yeah. I, I might not. So like if I have, she said she had to, uh, I'm about eight hours south of the Portland, you know, Oregon area. Yeah. And she would say this, that like, oh, the only time I can have a good movement is when I go see my uh, high, clon high, clon high clonic person up in Oregon every month or so. So imagine, right. so, you know, giving you a little bit of the history right. and, and some things that we could, could look at, you know, the low hanging fruit, uh, if that, does that answer, help That's, answer your question? Yeah. I mean, so I think what's important in looking at like, so someone comes to see me with back pain, um, from, you know, it, it's, and they're attributing it to 
something happened in cheerleading or something happened in their life. You know, they were driving for a long time and they're back. There's a lot of factors that can get involved in that um, beyond movement, like that, you know, the digestion wise and how's your, how are things moving? Cause that's going to affect uh, one that can physically affect how the back feels, but two on a, well, it's all physical, I guess, but um, physically, as far as like pain symptom wise, but uh, I would also like we had talked about before, but the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems and the, how our body regulates and the hormones and like all of that can be, if, if something's off in there, it's going to affect how our bowels move and how our back feels. And if we have under that intense stress, so taking into effect, not just the physical end of it, but how all the different pieces come together. Um, and, uh, having it hit, like we need the physical history and what you've had for surgery or what you, you know, what your previous history was, cause that'll feed into it, but mm-hmm. also what your body's doing right now and how is your stress response and your sleep and all of that stuff that goes, it's not just one thing. It's everything put together that affects the slings and affects how we move and et cetera. Right. I mean, the, the musculoskeletal system, the way I see it is like in service to these higher order life, these vital organ systems, right? Because the musculoskeletal system can, can protect it's so it's because basically it's out on the periphery. It's a, it's a, it's a shell of sorts that can protect the organs in, in that sense, but it's also helping to move you in space to obtain resources to feed the organs. And it can also move you through space from something else that might see you as a resource. Right. Because the, the body, like every, like the hundred trillion or so cells, it's not thinking about, oh, this muscle or this six pack or something like this. It's like, it's like if you were to have a conversation with any of the one of the cells, it's in like, say, hey, cell, what are you thinking? It'd be like, well, am I safe? Right. Can I run all the uh, vital bodily processes? Right. Can I, can I move within the space to obtain resources? And away from other things that might see me as a resource. And then can I perpetuate the genes? That's probably pretty much that in a nutshell, that in the nutshell. Right. And so not only are we safe as far as, is everything functioning well, but are we safe at a mental and emotional level? And are we safe at an unconscious level and in a conscious consciousness level? Because unfortunately, uh, that's not always the case for a lot of people. Right. There's a lot of uh, cases of depression, anxiety, especially given the current global climate. Um, the last time I looked into this, I remember, you know, suicide is typically double that of homicide within this country. So if we have something that's weighing us down like that, then perhaps uh, the musculoskeletal region is going to act up because it's all summating into the body. It's all connected, right? It's all connected. Like you were saying, these slings, fascia, emergence. When we started out as one cell, like in embryo, and then we, and then we ended up with a hundred trillion cells. And so it's, it's all connected. (laughs) So that uh, we were talking before uh, we started recording about the ACEs, um, 
and so I want to get into that. And that remind that reminded me of something I, I and I was cleaning, putting away Christmas at the on Sunday. But in the background, I had on an Oprah Sunday Soul show, and I can't remember the guy's name uh, in the in the book. But they just came out with a book where he talks about um, emotional how the emotional effect will affect our physical body. And um, he made one comment about if you are at like. The first two months of life, if you feel threatened in those first two months of life, you have a um, higher risk of, and then you're safe from like, so from three months on, you're safe, you're in a great environment, you're, you know, well taken care of, you're, everything is just perfect. There's a higher risk of long-term effect of negative long-term effect than somebody who for those first two months of life was completely taken care of and then went through trauma after that, or, you know, whatever trauma might be. Um, and so that I find that, uh, interesting in the tie-in and I, it's a book I need to go read again, but, or I, just to read in the first place, but, um, so that kind of relates into what we're talking about with the ACEs and the, and the different factors that feed into that. Can you dive more into explain more about ACEs again and, and how that affects our movement and where we're at? Right. Um, let me, I'm, I'm just looking at my notes real quick. And so I, I think another way we could, uh, mention something when it comes to this is that, um, you'll, you'll hear, uh, this sometimes like, Oh, that really made me sick to my stomach. Well, yeah, yeah. because it's all connected. Right. And so, I mean, you know, something happened and not, and, and we're recognizing it because within that statement that it's not just from the neck on up as far as what we're experiencing, as far as some type of upset that like, I'm also feeling it at a gut level. And uh, we talk about embryology and it, it was all one cell and then it divided and, and then it emerged. And so, yeah, at one point, the, the digestive system, the heart and the brain were all connected. Like geographically speaking, it's still connected though. It's still connected via the fascia and via the nerves. And then there's this one term called the abdominal brain. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. No, but it makes sense. That's yeah. a, yeah. So someone's, let's just say if they have some food intolerance, that can influence not like not just upset them within their digestive system that can influence their mood and, and perhaps depression. And so going back to ACEs, so adverse childhood experiences. So it's a scale of, of 10 up to 10. You can have uh, upwards of 10 adverse experiences. And I'm just looking at my notes real quick. Uh, and They've, they've said something like this, that if you have six or more out of the 10, that you unfortunately perhaps can experience up to a 20-year decline in your lifespan. So let's just say the average person is 78 or so. We're talking somewhere in their 50s. That's tragic. That's, right. And that's, and, that's, from, that's from childhood experiences that, you know, any, any multitude of them could be uh, right. 
right? So the, for, the formative years, you know, yeah. the years where we're vulnerable and we're dependent upon a, a, an adult guardian. And this is just like the first, right. <laughs> you know, few years or so. And not to say about the other traumas that we might experience later on in life and then, then perhaps in adulthood. And then that can be complex, you know, the slings and arrows of life. Um, so the, of, of the 10, we have the physical, emotional, and sexual abuse. Uh, we have, you know, physical, yeah, we have physical, emotional, sexual abuse. We have physical and emotional neglect. And uh, whatever is going on within the household, you know, is there, you know, someone in the household, a, a guardian, a, a family member, a sibling who's mentally ill? Uh, is there a, someone who has a history of incarceration, um, domestic violence, particularly uh, the mother? Uh, is there any you know, substance abuse and divorce? So, if you have a number of those, and especially six on up, you know, we're at risk, you know, statistically speaking, unfortunately. So that's, that's, that's ACEs. And then uh, it can lead up to, you know, poor behavior of the, of the person and poor physical and mental health and um, the, the health consequences often related with those. And, and so that can, can appear very dire and um, there's hope though. There's I, hope. That's, that's what I was getting to. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I do believe that our prior experiences affect our current situation a hundred percent. But I also think that we can make choices to, I don't say rectify because you can't change what happened in the past, but you can change what happens in the future. You can change what happens today, you know, by making an, a, uh, uh, addressing it, uh, finding, you know, finding ways to manage it, to come. I, I don't know. There's I'm not expressing this well, but, um, there like that you, that you can get past it, that you can, improve. It doesn't mean that you're going to die at 50 just because, but there is a higher risk of that um, in your general overall health and how it affects your general well-being. To, to the degree that we're not aware and we're not man managing it. Yeah. And, and then the, the process of healing, right? And we're not just talking physical here. Right. I mean, we're having, we're physical beings having a you know, emotional and mental and perhaps spiritual experience. Right. And so it's all connected. And so uh, I, I believe it was Eleanor Roosevelt. She said something along the lines, she'd rather hold a candle in the dark than curse the darkness. Mm -hmm. So fo focus on, uh, yeah. Focus on yeah. the big pan panorama. Uh, there's another saying, uh, if I, if you have a big enough dream, you don't need a crisis, you know? So, so what are the, what are the joys of life? What, what's, what's, what are the things that really uh, provide you levity? Cause there's enough gravity out in the, out there in the world. Just turn on the news for instance. 
the uh, you had uh, made a made a note about gravity being unbiased, and we can can we manage the laws of motion? Um, and like you said, like we can't necessarily physically change those laws of motion, but an emotional end we potentially can. Um, you know, like gravity can weigh us down, or we can look at a, look at the candle in the darkness and find the light and find the joy going forward. Can I mention someone um, who I feel is a great resource when it comes to this subject for for the audience? Uh, Dr. Gabor Mate. If you look up him on the internet and you see his work, and then he's had a a documentary in regards to this subject within the past year, it's called The Wisdom of Trauma. And Dr. Gabor Mate, an amazing human being, a psychologist, and this is a little bit of his background. If I recall correctly, his first introduction of trauma, which really helped propel him into this field, you know, a lifelong career for him, because I think he's well into his 70s. He was born to a Hungarian mother of of uh, a Jewish cultural uh, upbringing in Nazi Germany. So his mother uh, was experiencing the trauma of war and genocide in Nazi-occupied Hungary. So what she was experiencing, a lot of that was being uh, transferred onto her young infant child, that of Gabor. And so a lot of the, um, the unfortunate consequences of the trauma from that, from, that's, that's his origin story. Yeah. And so you, you could imagine, I mean, talk about trauma. Right. Uh, do you, I don't know if you and I have talked about this before, um, but even inter utero, like, or in utero, um, some of that trauma can carry over into the cells of the, you know, the unborn child. And then that can get that, that in itself is part of that childhood trauma that carries over, even though it's prior to physical birth, you know, Um, whatever, whatever the mother's experiencing, the, the, the infant, right. The developing fetus is experiencing. And so that, that is very apparent. I imagine for a lot of people, especially, you know, mothers out there, but I, I feel we also experience that to a degree within the social context, you know, uh, it's part of the human experience, you know, empathy and compassion, I mean, so what's, I think I've heard something like this is like the hurt of one is the hurt of all. This is a part of our humanity here. Right. I think we, uh, I think we look away from that when we look at our, um, I I think there's a bigger awareness of it right now. Um, but I do think there's a, there's a globalization, globalized, like we are just in tune to ourselves and don't really recognize how what our actions, how our actions affect our neighbor or, you know, uh, you across the world, you know, are you across the United States? Like 
we are all interconnected and just by that law of frequency and our frequency of vibration. And, you know, there's a vibration that goes out and now what we do, what we put out into the world comes back to us and affects the whole world. Butterfly effect almost, but yeah, yeah. Um, we're so we're social beings. None of us live on an island. Right. I mean, that's 99% of our history too, as a species on the planet is that we lived in intimate groups you know, yeah. there's no, there's no other way to, as far as our survival, we wouldn't have made the journey. Um, and, and so if we tie that back into movement, how does that, um, how will that affect how we move or how we function or how our pain or, you know, uh, limitations are the fact that we can't get up and down from the ground or what anything along that lines. How does that tie into our physical movement as well? Or how do you, how have you found that? Say if someone's, you know, has a history of trauma and there's a lot, just a lot of stress and yeah. organ, yeah. whatever. And, and maybe uh, uh, they're not like, so if we are social beings, and we are used to being impacts and what we do affects other people. How, if we are losing that contact or we are pushing other people away, whether it be because of, for whatever reason, but uh, linking to trauma, how does that affect how we, how we will move in the future? Or, you know, does that, does it affect how we are, does the socialization affect how we move? I, I well, What's coming to my mind, and, and I, I hope this does tie into your question a little bit, that if you look within the, the fitness community and fitness classes, a lot of times those things are pretty popular. And right. the, the participants that I often see participating the most within, let's just say it's a, it's a dance class, uh, it could be a yoga class. It could be CrossFit, for instance. The majority of the participants are women, from what I have seen. And so uh, I feel perhaps the 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 community, the, the like the 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 unity aspect of it can be very supportive as far as our movement. Now, imagine if someone is really having a difficult time that they might want to shut down and withdraw a bit. You're withdrawing from life. Mm -hmm. You're withdrawing for participating in, and movement is a form of participating and in interacting with our environment. You know, it's interacting. Life is about relationships and interacting with other, yeah, with self, other and place. For, for instance. And so uh, if you're doing, I mean, in some ways, if you're not moving at all, and if you're just staying at home and you're not really engaged and participating in life, in some ways you're experiencing sensory deprivation. And unfortunately that is the most uh, severe form of punishment within the uh, corrections uh, you know, environment is uh, solitary confinement. 
right? And it doesn't do us like a lot of times people who've been in solitary confinement for extended periods of times, it really does a number on them mentally, emotionally speaking. Yeah. It's not healthy. I mean, there is a time and a place where we need to kind of kind of pull back a little bit and recharge. But as far as a long-term strategy, it's probably not the greatest thing. Right. Um, is this kind of helping That's, as far as some of... Yeah. And I think... Um, so I... Uh, for, for people that I might see in a physical therapy clinic, um, those that are... That have a good support system that have grown up, they they and they're a little bit more aware of where they're at, they... They, I don't want to say they tend to do better because everybody has their own space, but they may be more, they may see that light a little bit better that they can, um, you know, there's going to be a better outcome on the other end, or they know they need to do the movement to be able to get back to where they want to be. Um, they're a little bit more open to hearing about, you know, how the uh, digestive and the emotional and the um, external like fires and whatnot will affect how your body moves. Um, people that are a little bit more isolated and don't have that, or that have had, you know, that aren't open and they have a little bit more of a wall up. I think they, they don't do as well, um, you know, in, in recovering and getting back into doing, you know, no, whatever they want to do. And that goes into the sensory deprivation and it goes into, you know, they're not allowing their body to feel what they need to feel and there's walls up. And so I guess that's where I, that's, was, that's how I see it in a, in a clinic wise. Um, and I also have a lot of people that, you know, they want to get back into group exercise, um, which is the big socialization. And I've always been like, Oh, just go work out on your own. But it makes sense to me the way you say it, that, um, you know, getting back in is probably an important piece, um, to have that, total body experience like of, of being in the social group and being able to experience and, and having good social connections relationships healthy relationships does tie into longevity mm -hmm. so the people who live 80 plus some odd years you know they, they've seen this within the blue zones within the world right that nine times out of ten they have really good social connect connections relationships and I and imagine uh, if if they're healthy and vital and moving, you know, they're up up and about. That they're all they're all they're also moving. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of I remember I lived in Okinawa for a number of years, and that's one of the areas in the world that's you know known for being a blue zone. And and seeing a lot of these seniors over there, yeah, they're moving constantly, uh, landscaping, farming, fishing. Walking, uh, a lot of times when you go to uh, an Asian community, I mean, or you can see this on the internet, you know, uh, parks in China, you'll have people who are moving together in a, in a community park of all ages. I mean, you'll have uh, you know people, eighties on up, doing you know doing tai chi, doing gymnastics, you know, light form of gymnastics at times. I've probably, I've seen some pretty incredible seniors out there and you may have seen some of these clips too. It's amazing. So how do we, how do we incorporate that or how do we, you know, 
how do we get there? <laughs> um, I, if we're not there right now, how do we get there? Um, you know, a lot, like we've talked about in the past, allowing yourself to explore different things, allowing the sensation, you know, to, to mm-hmm. don't be tied to necessarily one movement, go barefoot, um, you know, let yourself feel the cold. Um, I was at a um, perform better meeting of the minds and I believe it was Brendan. Uh, oh, Rerick? Marcello. No, oh, no. Okay. Um, I think it's Marcello. Um, he's the, he's a sleep um, mm-hmm. He does a lot of work asleep. Um, and he was saying, you know, how important it is for us to get a good night's sleep, to have about 20 minutes of outside, you know, in sunlight or, you know, just being outside without glasses on um, and allowing that, you know, vitamin D or whatever the sunlight is to help stimulate our body. And that helps us to sleep better. Um Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so al- allow, you know, taking steps like that can help uh, Im- improve our overall well-being. Um, taking a group class if you need to, you know, if uh, I, I tend to, I used to do them a lot, um, but lately I'm like, ah, I don't, it's too, like, it's too, I don't like them because they're t- not that they're regimented, but they're, I have to go at a certain time and I can't structure that, but, but I tend to isolate myself if I don't do that. So maybe it's better for me to challenge myself and do that or vice versa. If you tend to only be there to find some time to have some quiet on your own too. Um, so I think my, my point being how we get there is if you're always doing something one way and you want to do something different, try something different on how you get there, I guess. Um, but are there other, what, how else do you, um, you know, or do you have some tips for, for recognizing where we need to change, how we can change our, how our body is reacting because of that old trauma or whatever, tying it all in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, some, some of the things that are coming to my mind is that um, maybe have a different relationship with working out, right? It doesn't always have to be arduous, right? Like a workout. How about a play out? How about movement snacks? How about movement vitamins? You know, have some play, you know, uh, kind of go about this, maybe not so serious, you know, have some, have some fun. And then, yeah, um, the, the, the morning light is, is as best as we can earlier in the day, because we're going to have more of the blue light spectrum mm-hmm. that's going to stimulate more of the cortisol, right? So we're more awake you know, and, and focused early part of the day. Uh, and, and if we could do it within the first hour of awakening, awakening, and then as close to the sunrise as possible and just go out for a walk, just go out for a walk. And then, and then, uh, yeah, have some social time, friend, loved one, neighbor, and just, you know, walking for like 30 minutes or so before, before having breakfast. I mean, that can really, um, set us up for success. Uh, because like, so the daytime uh, activities, habits will assist us within our nighttime sleep and repair. It's, it's all tied in. It's all tied in this whole 24 hour, 26 hour cycle, you know? Um, So, yeah, because approximately when we get that signal from nature, from, from the, 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 the cycles of nature, the rhythms of nature and the, our own 
internal rhythms and being in sync with the, you know, nature's rhythms and our own, you know, smaller nature rhythms is that 10 hours or so later, it's always, it's going to set us up to have that melatonin release and then sleep and repair. Uh, and then, yeah, what, what else about, yeah, ver, you were mentioning variability, variability of movement. Um, and I, I um, oh, you had a good point that I was, we had talked about the, oh, the, so getting outside that allows your whole autonomic system to, to reset, allows your digestive to, to go. Like if you, if you give it bite-sized pieces of stimuli in a positive, in a, in a, not always, um, intense sympathetic way, but sometimes in a relaxing way, it, it, it creates that homeostasis. That's what I was looking for, um, in your body that allows for optimal movement and, um, recovery or, or, you know, uh, just optimal movement and how we feel in general. Yeah. Um, uh, we had, you had, um, I don't know if you have a, something on that to say, wait, uh, one thing I was going to go into, um, <laughs> You're fine. recovery strategies, yes. um, you know, let's talk, let's talk recovery strategies. Cause I think we all, you know, especially right now, you know, it's, we're gung ho. We need to go, go hard, go fast. And we just push and push and push. And we skip our recovery, which is a key phase of health. So, right. I mean, it's the key. It's key within nature too, because in the northern hemisphere right now, we're in the winter time. So, winter, fall, and winter is synonymous with parasympathetic, with with rest and repair, rest and repair. And then the spring and summer is more synonymous with uh, sympathetic, you know, more energy intensive, extensive, expending. It's, it's, it's a matter of economics, mm-hmm. right? I can only make so many withdrawals. Eventually, I'll have to make some deposits. Right. Right. And so working out is going to be a stressor. It's going to be uh, taking a little bit more resources. It's, it's a little bit more sympathetic nervous system dominant fight, flight, freeze. Right. But I need, ideally, if I want to adapt, well, I need that recovery aspect. I need checks and balances. And so that's where, you know, mental, emotional, stress management comes in that's where like mindful breathing comes in um you know healthy uh, interactions relationships um you know friend family loved one your, your pet for instance you know having some introspective time you know some maybe even meditation nutrition food, you know healthy food right? Speaks to the genes, helps with optimal gene expression. Life gives life, life eats life, right? And so if I'm to the more vital something was, you know, food, right? At at one point it was alive. And essentially it's giving its life and service to your life. And maybe we can also kind of have a different aspect as far as how we're approaching food too, 
you know, perhaps something uh, more that of a, a place of reverence. It's not just, you know, it's not like we're just throwing gas into a gas tank here. Right. This is, this is in most cases, something that was alive. I mean, so how sacred is that? And so, and then uh, sleep restoration sleep is on the for, for as far as the way i look at forms essentially uh, sleep is essentially a nutrient if if i don't have uh, sufficient sleep after a couple of days i start to break down and and according to the world health organization people who are uh, sleep deprived sleep deficient you know chronically that's we could say something like six hours or less on average. Ideally, we want seven, maybe nine, and that's sleep. Not just not just being in bed because you can be in bed for nine hours, but you could be awake for two of those. And so, I'm looking at the net and the and the quality and the many waves phases of sleep as well. Um, and another vitamin sleep is a vitamin and nutrition yeah. nutrient of sorts uh you know helps with growth hormone release and that's where our immune system is most active but uh, another vitamin to consider is that of nature they, they've seen uh, in, in studies that people who have a view of nature in a hospital environment are much quicker to heal than those who haven't who don't have a view of nature and there's this aspect called biophilia, you know, love of life, love of nature. And uh, it, the person who came up with that in the 80s, uh, former Harvard social biologist, E.O. Wilson, uh, who just recently passed away in late December, and he was well into his 90s. And his, you can look him up and his book. He also had a book called Biophilia. And air, and air is a chief nutrient. You know, three minutes without it, life ceased to exist. So being mindful of our breathing. And so these, these are just a few low-hanging fruit items to be mindful of. And to the point that we're not mindful of, then we're probably not able to manage these things as well. So uh, to, to recap that for my cheer parents and former cheerleaders that are now sitting at a desk all day long and, or driving your kids to competition and sitting in a big, uh, convention hall. Um, that's good because you're getting on that social end, um, get, get out and move around. There's ways to do that. Make sure you are, uh, giving yourself the vitamin of getting enough sleep beforehand. You know, we tend to, I remember myself in competition time, like we didn't, you know, you were going all day working, you know, all afternoon and then hanging out with friends at night. So there was sleep was minimal and that was a detriment. And so training our kids as for as adults that they need to get their rest, they're not going to want to hear it because that's kids, but training them to, to good sleep habits by getting outside in the morning, getting some fresh air to help with the oxygen exchange practicing some breathing techniques, which is helpful on the mindful end, but also helpful on strengthening your core and strengthening, uh, and just improving your oxygen exchange to help your vitality in general, um, tuning into what you're eating and, uh, 
um, and then get outside and experience nature so that you are not just in a car driving to work, sitting in a convention hall, um, sitting on a computer all day long. Like it doesn't, you don't have to do hours and hours and days and days of it, but do that over the lifespan. So you'd get little bits of it and take those little, um, pieces of it. And that goes for everybody, but that's, you know, like incorporating that into our everyday life and like learning how, how to manage our body outside of just the physical hardcore exercise, I think is important. It's something we all miss. Yeah. Do the simple things savagely well. That's and that, great. <laughs> and that's, and that's actually Mark Verstegen, the founder of Exos. Yeah. I remember hearing him say that within the first hour of the first day of a mentorship years ago at it was then athletes performance now exos. And when he said that, you know, do this simple thing savagely well, I would say that's money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, can, can I, can I say something real quick too? Yeah. Yep. So for those people out there who are 35 plus to just consider that, I, I think we we're talking uh, in the pre-interview is that aging and the way we live or don't live, these are universals. And, and so the, these are, the, these are equalizers. And so to be aware of the big picture and, and manage this stuff as best as possible. And like, so if we're a summation of these many cells and bodily processes. And if we're just looking at the muscles, for instance, you know, consider the panorama and at a cellular process, if you're familiar with this, Laura, that if you take the, the coenzyme, the molecule NAD plus, for instance, right. Which has a lot to do with the, uh, you know, cellular function and mitochondrial function and, 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 telomeres and you know gene stability for instance right we're just talking about one coenzyme molecule for instance right but there's a whole myriad of them as well that are doing similar things so for instance if we look at nad plus on average around the age 40 or so it's at 50 percent 50 percent of what it once was at our biological peak. And that continues to, to decline 50% again every 20 years. And so this is so significant that even the uh, military is looking into this. I think they're uh, looking into this as of uh, last October for at least six months and particularly uh, within their special forces community. So they're having um, those members within that community uh, supplement with NAD plus because they're looking to further the performance and longevity of those people because most people in the special forces are, are seasoned uh, military personnel, but they start to decline in performance, their effectiveness in their 30s you know, mid thirties, late thirties. So the military, the government is looking to prolong that as best as they can because they're wanting to get 
the best return on, on their investment. And so the military is investing, uh, I want to say, several million, if not billions of dollars into this. And they're not going to do that just for any old reason, are they? Right. So imagine, apply that to the general person. So they're, they're use, using a supplement for NADA? Uh, it's a, it's an N, yeah, NAD plus, uh, NAD plus is this coenzyme molecule. And they're uh, having this community um, take a supplement and they're wanting to see how it's going to help and improve the outcomes. Yeah, we, you, you, you could look this up, look up uh, special forces and NAD plus and you'll see. So NAD plus within ourselves naturally can be improved by a way of exercise, by a way of stress management, by way of sleep, by way of nutrient dense foods, by way of intermittent fasting, right? So it's naturally occurring. It can be naturally supported. I, I would say supplements are, are supplemental food first and behavior first and foremost. Right. Yeah. That, that, well, that was my question is, can we, can we influence the NAD plus on our own? Sometimes, you know, um, you do need to have a supplement to supplement what you're doing, but like you said, you know, get your nutrients from your food sources first mm -hmm. and your movement and all that stuff. And we, we can also have addition through subtraction, right? Minimize the toxins, right? Whether that's your environment, whether that's your relationships, whether that, that is actual substances that we're ingesting, you know, minimize, minimize the toxins. You know, so take away the negatives and then, uh, yeah, I, I think yeah. that you, you can, we can get a lot just by that alone. Yeah. And then optimize our digestive system because you can have the best nutrient intake as possible. But if we're not have if we don't have a good digestive system to make the, and utilize and get the most of it, then it's kind of going in and out and not much happening in between. Right. We're meant to, we're meant to. Uh, eat and get our nutrition to give us fuel and optimize our body. And it needs to process the right way. If it's either, if things aren't going the right way and we're not getting those nutrients and getting absorbed, um, then it will not create optimal body function in general. So um, digestion is digestion is a heavy parasympathetic process. Mm -hmm. So the more parasympathetic tone that we have, and then and minimize the stress, we're going to aid our digestion. Yeah. That's right. I try to, um, we were talking earlier about, you know, how do I address this in, in clinic and whatnot? And, you know, the, I try to, and I, it's my aim is to, is to address the whole body, um, and how it affects everything. Um, where I'm going with this is, uh, you know, one big exercise that I give a lot is well, a breathing exercise. And people are like, I breathe all the time and I breathe, you know, and this makes me feel like meditation. And most of the time my role, my 
I use breathing a lot for core stability. So I'm using it on a semi-sympathetic way to promote stability, but really in doing that, you're, uh, I'm breathing is a big way to, uh, influence the parasympathetic system, like checking in with our breath, learning how to breathe properly, check, you know, our, our breathing will change from a sympathetic to a parasympathetic state and vice versa, depending on what we're doing. If we're running, it needs to be different than if we're digesting. Um, but learning how to do that and learning how to train ourselves from being in that parasympathetic breathing state, um, is key. And, uh, this just gave me a good, great, this is just reminding me of how to explain that to my clients when we're talking about things like reflux, which is a form, which is an, a, a symptom of the digestive system not working function optimally, um, or constipation, um, you know, or hemorrhoids and other things like that, that can, can potentially be affected by that parasympathetic sympathetic state and just the act of focusing on your breathing for a couple minutes a day intermittently can greatly help that may not fix it completely. There's other things that are involved because we are a whole system, but, um, so thank you for reminding me of that. No, no, thank, thank you. I mean, and then breathing is movement, right? Yeah. If you stop breathing, you stop moving Right. in the hospital. They call that flat line. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then, and then, you know, in the, within a PT context, let's just say someone's having some low back pain, you know, we can, we can, um, shift our focus of our senses, your, our, our eyes, our smell, our breathing. We can do some, uh, skin stimulation on the area and just rub it. This, these are all sensory inputs. We can move all the other joints that aren't you know, aggravate at the time. So, so move that, you know, move where you're successful and just these things, you know, a hand, you know, a handful or so of low hanging fruit can really shift the sensory input and experience of one's pain. So like pain, pain, if I remember right, and then, you know, correct me, uh, pain is an output of the brain, Mm -hmm. right? So if we change the inputs, we can help change the outputs as far as what we're experiencing and, and breathing. That's, that's, that's an input. Yes. Uh, I'm going to um, last um, kind of addition into that. And then we'll wrap up um, one of my morning meditation videos that I was watching today um, with Bob Proctor. He talked about the, the vibration and the vibration we put out and, um, that we, we tend to only think of our five senses, you know, this, the smell, the touch, the taste, the sound, um, and the sight, you know, right. and the visual, you know, <laughs> um, you know, but our bodies are, we, we, there was a big influence from the, the vibrational aspects in the world that is more uh, maybe it's a sixth sense. I don't know. He didn't, he didn't label it, but you know, that's that what we, what we believe is going to happen is what is going to happen or what we, what we think about is where we attract and what we, what we are going to get. Um, so what we've, what we put out into the world is what we're going to get back into the world. And so being, uh, looking for that light in the world, putting out the positive thinking, thinking that 
changing our mindset that things are going to be okay. If you have an injury or you, uh, you know, you've gone through some bad trauma, like finding the, the positive and, and knowing that that's there for you, it will attract more of that for you and will help in the healing process, you know? So, so believing that you're going to get better is going to, is a big way to help yourself get better. Um, and yeah, you may have to do work, but, um, knowing that that work is worth the effort is, a um, is worth it all. Uh, yeah. And, and with breathing, once again, you were mentioning vibration. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people might sigh or hum or, uh, you know, it chant toning, for instance, that vibrates the vocal cords, which helps to stimulate the vagus nerve. So that restores or bran- restore yeah. branch of the nervous system once yeah. again. And like you said, like, hell, if we're going to exercise any one muscle, yeah, let's start with the, well, I would say the one between our ears and also the one in it, in, in the middle of our yep. chest, yep. right? This, this heart, mind connection, mind, body connection. Yeah. And, uh, heaven and hell, but for many of us, I would say exists between our ears. Yep. What do you want to experience more of? Yeah. Because like I said earlier, unfortunately, turn on the news. We have plenty of that. So let's have a little bit more of the other. Yeah. Have a little bit more heaven. Less and that hell. Doesn't know. Um, and it can mean removing some of the negative by turning off the TV <laughs> or turning off the news or turning, you know, and that allowing yourself to turn up the heaven. It, you know, it, it, allow, allowing the, the volume to turn up a little bit there. <laughs> the news is an oxymoron. I really feel it's, it's, it's the old, unfortunate, timeless, universal behavior of our species being played up over. And it's, it's like Groundhog Day. Yep. A hundred percent it is. Yeah. Um, all right. Thank you so much uh, for, for coming on again. And I know we'll do this again another time. Uh, you always help me to think in a different perspective. And I hope you uh, hope everybody else gets a different takeaway today that they can incorporate into their uh, everyday life. Uh, I appreciate your coming on. And um, everybody, my words of advice, don't forget when in doubt, breathe out and take it one step at a time. And uh, something that I'm uh, starting to remind people of from my friend, Drew Keller, who, who recently passed away. He left us with an awesome quote that you are responsible for your own vibes. Um, and so bring the vibes that you want to the party and uh, to the game. And um, that ties into greatly into what we just uh, talked about today. Have a great day. And uh, I will talk to you next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Cheer PT podcast. I want to know, What was your biggest takeaway today? If you're enjoying the podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from the information, please share. The more people we reach, the more health and safety of cheerleading will be brought to awareness. If you want to watch the live versions of the interviews that we do, come join the Healthy Cheerleading Facebook group. And and you can also catch the replay on our YouTube channel, The Cheer PT. For more tips on the health and wellness of cheerleading, be sure to follow us on social media. The links are in the show notes below. Thanks for being part of our cheer team. Until next time, live your life without deductions and with extraordinary cheer.